Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is concluding his letter to the Thessalonian church. And he's concluding it with a great challenge of application. This application to the truth that Jesus Christ is returning for his bride. His bride are those that uh, are saved. Those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his bride, the bride of Christ. Like a groom anticipating his wedding day, Jesus Christ is waiting to be united with his bride. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we looked at, and I won't go back and and we're not going to take the time today to restudy or even look back at what we've studied through this book, but we find simply that Jesus Christ is coming again as he promised. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you under myself that where I am there, ye may be also. Paul tells the church at Thessalonica in chapter number four of this, of this book, Jesus Christ is coming. The dead in Christ are going to rise and those that are alive and remain are going to be caught up to the clouds with Jesus Christ forever. That's the rapture of the church. It's the doctrine of the rapture of the church. So Paul is going to conclude, he's going to conclude this book in, in chapter number five. Look with me, if you would, we'll begin reading. And let's pick up reading in verse number 11 of chapter five. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even also you do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and all men. Father, I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts today. Continue to work in the lives, Lord, of each one here. God, I pray as we look at this passage of Scripture, that it would change us, change the way we live, change the way we deal with each other. The truth that Jesus is coming again may have an impactful effect on our lives. And so God, we pray today that you comfort, that you give peace, that you give grace, that you convict us. Lord, if there's any air in our life that needs to change, Lord, with your help, with the help of your spirit, we ask you to do it. So meet the needs of each one in this room today. And Lord, we'll give you the thank you and the glory and the gratitude that all you're due. And we'll pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It is with the reality that Christ is coming. That's chapter number five. Christ is coming. Paul is dealing with this church that has concerns that is waiting for Christ and wondering, where is he? And Paul is with this reality, Christ is coming. We've dealt with this fact in chapter number four that the apostle Paul instructs the church. Now, what do we do? 
How do we live? All of us today, I would say, if we are a child of God, if we're saved and we understand that Jesus is coming again, all of us are anticipating the the coming of Jesus Christ. All of us are anticipating the rapture. I talk to many people and they're always saying, I can't wait for Christ to come. This world is getting worse and worse and, and the conditions that we're living in are getting worse and worse. Lord Jesus, come quickly. And we as believers are anticipating his coming. But... There is a way that you and I are to live as we're anticipating his coming. The church here at Thessalonica, they weren't sure what to do. They, some just quit everything and said, all right, Lord, come. Others were frustrated because they were going through persecution and problems in life. Others were frustrated. They were burying their loved ones and they're, they're saying, Lord, I thought you were coming. And so the Apostle Paul is going to bring us all together in chapter number five, and he's going to instruct them, this is how we're to live. Until the Lord returns, there's a way for us as believers to behave. There's a way for us as believers to live. So today, let's examine these instructions so that our lives can be lives that are examples as the Apostle Paul is writing to the church here. And if we believe that Christ is returning, do our actions line up with Paul's instructions? So let's examine our lives. Do our actions or how we're living, does it line up with the truth that we know that Jesus Christ is coming again? In this portion of chapter number five, beginning in verse number 11, down through what we read through 15 today, we're going to see that Christ's return affects how we treat or how we live or how we deal with each other. And this is in all of our relationships. It affects how we live. You being a Christian makes you different. There's no excuse. Well, that's the way I was raised. That's just how I am. No, that's how you were. But you have been bought with a price. There is a new creature now that lives and dwells inside of you. The Spirit of God now dwells inside of you. And no longer can we use the excuse, that's just the way that I am, or that's the way that I was raised, or that's just the way it is. No, that's the way it was. Now that the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to your life and the Spirit lives inside of you, it is different now. And so the question is, is it different now? Is it different? So Christ's return affects how we treat each other. I want you to see in verse number 11, the Bible says this, wherefore comfort one another, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. Now there's something interesting I want us to see here. There's something interesting about this verse because this verse requires more than just you. It requires us. I've said this often over the last few weeks as I've been preaching through 1 Thessalonians, and that is this, we need each other, church. God never meant for you to do your Christian walk alone. He never never intended for you to live your life alone. Matter of fact, everything that God created in a perfect world, everything before sin, when God created it, he said, it is good. But the one thing that he said that was not good, he said this, it is not good that man should be alone. Man needs each other. 
I need you. You need me. You need the one next to you. You need the one across from you. We need each other. And in this verse, verse number 11, the Bible says, wherefore comfort yourselves. What's the word? Together. And he also says this, and edify one another. This is how we as believers, we as Bible believers are to behave, are to act, are to deal with each other. In light of this, Jesus Christ is coming again. And until he does, his bride must get along. His bride must worship together. I'll tell you this morning, in the few moments that we had of worshiping the Lord together, boy, it just, it just warms my heart. I'm encouraged so greatly that when we come together, we can worship together and praise the Lord. Aren't you? Isn't that a wonderful thing? To lift your voice up with someone else and praise the Lord together? I'm tired of doing it in the car all by myself. <laughs> I mean, I look, I look silly. I pull up to, next to the light next to somebody, and I'm singing away, and they're looking at me like I've got 10 heads. What is wrong with this guy? And I just roll my window down. I say, I love Jesus, and I roll it back up, and I sing again. I don't really do that, but I do sing. I love singing about Jesus. I love people that have a joy, but it's even greater when we come together and we do it in unison. When we corporately come together as the bride of Christ and lift our voice up together, I believe God's pleased with it. In verse number 11, we find this, this emphasis on together, this emphasis on one another. I want you to write this down. Several things today I want you to write down. We'll get through as much as this as possible today. But in verse number 11, comfort yourselves together and edify. Comfort yourselves together and edify, edify. Look also with me in verse number uh, 18 of chapter number four, the Bible says this, wherefore comfort one another with these words. The understanding that Jesus is coming again ought to bring comfort to us. And it's something that we declare and we share to encourage one another. You know what the most encouraging, the most edifying thing that you can do with a brother or sister in Christ is talk about Jesus Christ. We talk about all kinds of things, don't we? We'll talk about the weather. We'll talk about UFOs. We'll talk about balloons. We'll talk about war. We'll talk about all kinds of things. But you know what we are commanded to do? We are commanded to talk about and discuss Jesus Christ. When someone is hurting, what they need is not your philosophy. They need a touch of Jesus. Well, I love that last song that we sang. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. What you can share with a brokenhearted is Jesus. What you can care with so, uh, share with someone that's confused is Jesus. What you can share with someone that is discouraged is Jesus. We need to talk more about Jesus. We need to share what Jesus Christ is doing in our lives. This week, today, I want you to challenge you as you leave this place today, why don't you stop as many people as you can and just tell them what Jesus Christ has done this week in your life. You want to talk about encouraging someone, comforting someone. I love to hear when Jesus does something in the life of someone else, don't you? 
the way he works in someone's life. I, I, uh, I know it's such a small thing, but I too was encouraged with snow this week at camp. Because I thought to myself, 250 kids with mud. There's going to be some angry parents. That, and then I'm thinking, we got, how are we going to walk? We're going to have to power wash the inside of these bus, buses. I mean, it's just 250 disappointed teens. I don't want our kids to go off to camp and be discouraged. I don't want them to get there and say, why'd we come? This is boring and there's no snow. I don't want to have to change the name to Mud Camp. We've got all the graphics done for snow. I don't want to do mud. When I heard, I looked on the, my phone, the weather. When I heard there was six inches of snow that was coming down, and it was coming down as they were going to camp, I stopped and I just thanked Jesus. Something so small. Something that seems so insignificant. And I thought this, the same thing as Richard said, Lord, if you care so much about our teens that you'll give them snow, then I know you'll care about the really important things in our lives. And I know that you care about the really important things in the lives of people that I love. And I know that you want to to give peace to the one that is struggling today. And I know that you want to give grace to the one that needs a measure of grace in their lives. I know that you want us to, to, to edify you and glorify you and, 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 and lift you up and magnify you. I'm simply saying this today. The way that we comfort ourselves, the way that we edify one another is to exalt Jesus Christ. To make him the most important thing in our life. May Jesus Christ always be the most important thing in this church. May Jesus Christ be the most important thing in our home. And Paul is saying to them, comfort yourselves together, edify one another. What is this? This is done through fellowshipping together. I would encourage you, church, spend time together. As the day of the Lord approaches, discouragement comes and, 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 and defeat comes and Satan is doing everything he can to divide and everything he can to destroy your life. It still says in the book that he is as a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour. He's looking at your family today. He's looking at your home today. He's looking at our church today and his goal is to devour it. And we don't need to get discouraged because of Satan seeking to devour because the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. I have strength and I have hope and I have peace because I have God. Let's make big of God today. We do this by fellowshipping. Fellowshipping is so important. It's done with doing life together. It's done with God's word at the center of our fellowship in life. I want to encourage you today. Spend time. Spend time one with another. We live in such a hectic world. Isn't it amazing that you can live in the same home all week long, but not see each other in that home all week long? Everyone's going so many different places. 
Listen to me, every single person here today, can I challenge you with this? Stop and learn to fellowship. Stop and learn to fellowship in your home. Parents, talk to your children. Fellowship with your children. Children, fellowship with your parents. Husbands and wives, stop. Stop in fellowship and magnify the Lord in your home. Exalt him. You ought to be praying together and seeing God do incredible things by answering prayers and magnifying God. Rejoice. Take time together and just rejoice that God answers your prayers. Bring big things to God. Listen to me, I want to challenge every parent in this room today. Take your children and bring big things before God's throne with them and watch them. As God answers those prayers, watch them as they realize that God loves them and that God hears them and God answers their prayers. Watch them as they grow and realize that the God that you love loves them and they start to follow that same God. Fellowshipping is important. Fellowshipping in the home is important. Fellowshipping in the church is important. We live in a society that is just rushing around. We use communication devices that aren't true fellowship. Now, hear me this morning. Text messages are not to share emotions. Hear me, hear me, husbands and wives. Text messages are for this. Hey, pick up milk on the way home. It's, it's for, hey, um, I'm going to be a few minutes late. It's not all the bad things that they did that you just wanted them to know before they got to work. It's not pages and pages and pages of how you feel. We live in a society that we are just, we, listen to me, let's get back to looking at people eyeball to eyeball and fellowshipping with people. We've been conditioned over the last couple years to stay apart. We have a guest here, and I was checking him, bringing, picking him up at the hotel last week, and I still saw uh, last night I, on the hotel floors, there were steps that you were supposed to stand in. I am so done with it. I defy them. I stand right behind the person. I was getting a cup of coffee late the other night and I needed to stay up some. And I walked into the, walked into the the gas station. You know how bad it was. I got gas station coffee. I walked into the gas station to get a cup of coffee and there was a guy standing there and there was a print that I was supposed to stand here. I walked right up behind him, tapped him on the shoulder. He looked at me like I had the plague. I just stood there. I was ready to hug him. But we are just so conditioned anymore. Stay away. Listen to me, church. We need each other. We need each other. God designed you to be with each other, to fellowship together, to comfort one another, to edify one another. And it comes when we're together. Fellowship is so important. It's an action. 
It's our action of bringing our, our fellow believers back to truth. When questions arise and when doubt comes in and when hurt is revealed, by us being together is a way that we bring them back to truth. And that's what's happening here at this church. This church is discouraged and this church is unsure. And this church, it's a first century church. They learn about Jesus and they're like, I'm confused. What's going on? And Paul says, I'm going to give you truth. And the truth I'm going to give you when you come together, share that truth to encourage people to stay strong in the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what my job is and your job is? To strengthen each other in their, in their relationship with Christ. It's to put my arm around someone and say to that person that Christ loves you. That Christ died for you. That God's word is true. Listen to me, to that, to that parent that has that two-year-old and you're wondering, is life ever going to get back to normal? No, no, I mean, yes, it will. It will. <laughs> to that one that has a teenager and you think to yourself, is this teenager ever? Yes. How do I know? Because God's word is true. Let's not get bent out of shape with the emotions of this world and the emotions of our flesh. Let's get grounded in the truth of God's word. And we need each other to do that. I like it every so often when my wife says to me, you need to knock it off. That's not what the Bible says. You know what I tell her? Yeah, the Bible says submit. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, ladies. I'm just kidding. Make everyone mad at me here. You see, when trials come and hurt comes, we need to bring our fellow Christians back to truth. What does God's word say? It's a reconciling of our fears with the truth. Do you know what Christians are called to do? To reconcile, to forgive. You and I aren't supposed to hold grudges. You and I are not supposed to have unforgiving spirits. We're called to reconcile just like God reconciled us back to him through Jesus Christ. And see, when we bring truth into every situation, we are reconciling that situation with truth. It casts out all fears. It casts out all doubts. We need truth. You see, fellowshipping one for another, coming together in worshiping, coming together in comforting, coming together in edifying one for another ought to bring truth into our relationship. It's friendships putting Christ first in our confidence in what he says. Do you have friendships? Do you have relationships that puts Christ first and build your confidence in what his word says? That's what Paul is saying in chapter number five, verse number 11. You're going to comfort. This is not 
comfort one another with a funny joke. This is not edify one another with how good you are. This is bring comfort in edification by exalting Jesus Christ, by looking to his word and what he promises and building our life upon it. That's what brings comfort. That's what brings edification. It's acknowledging that Christ, his promises are true. How many of you believe today that Christ's promises are true? How many of you, sometimes it gets really bad and you question it. (laughs) You're human if you do. And that's why I need you. And that's why you need me. And that's why we need each other to point us back to what the word of God says. When this world discourages us and tries to defeat us, we're living in such a way that we have a fellow believer that brings us back to truth. Look at verse number five. You're all the children of light in the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Because we're not of the night or the darkness, we don't behave. How many of you have ever tried to walk through the night without a light? Huh? How many of you ever stubbed your toe? How many of you, somebody moved something? I, I'm a creature of habit. I think everything belongs in its place. You say, where is its place? Wherever I say, <laughs> that's where it belongs. <laughs> belongs where it's supposed to that. I want to find it. I want to find it in the dark. How many of you ever tripped over something that didn't belong there? It's dark and you're walking through life and listen to me, we're children of light. We've got God's word that gives us light to lighten our path. What does the Bible say? Look with me in verse number eight. The Bible says, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith. We don't have to live life discouraged. We don't have to live life wondering. We can have faith. Faith in what? Faith in God's word. Having faith in a helmet, the hope of salvation. Salvation not in religion. Salvation not in man, but salvation through Jesus Christ. I don't have to go through this world discouraged. I don't have to go through this world unsure. I don't have to go through this world full of fear. I have brothers and sisters in Christ that encourage me, that point me back to Jesus when I'm down, that points me back to Jesus when I'm hurting, that points me back to Jesus. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, I need you. And you need me. There's a way that we're supposed to love. John 13, 35 says this, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Romans 12, 10 says this, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in, in honor, preferring one another. Hebrews 10, 24 says this, let us consider one another to provoke unto love into good works. You know what my job is? To provoke you. Not to anger, not to discouragement. My relationship with you and your relationship with me is to provoke me to love, to show Christ. 
Hebrews 10.24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. 1 John 4.11 says this, we ought also to love one another. Romans 13.8, what's the Bible say? For he that loveth another hath fulfilled my law. This is what our command is. John 15, 17, these things I command you that you love one another. Ephesians 4, 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in what? In love. 1 John 4, 7, let us love one another. Look with me just your page over in 1 Thessalonians 4, 9. The Bible says, but as touching brotherly love, ye, not, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Where does that come from? It comes from the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And it comes out as I fellowship. It comes out as we comfort. It comes out as we edify and encourage and exalt Jesus Christ. If you exalt Christ in your relationship, if you exalt Christ in your home, you know what the natural thing will be? Love. You tear everything apart. You rip everybody apart. You're negative and you've always got something critical to say. There's no love. Those of you that are raising children, go ahead, rip down all authority. Go ahead and, 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 and talk bad about people. Go ahead and do all those things and you will not raise a child that knows how to love. One of the things my daughter sitting in the front row right here, she can tell you, my wife and I, we don't talk about people in our home. We don't, we don't talk negative about people. My daughter, the last 20, how old are you? 17, 19, the last 19 years of your life. We did it when she was young, when she couldn't really hear, but no, we, no, I'm kidding. The last 19 years of her life, she's never heard a negative thing about a, a member of our church. Is that true? You know why? Because I want her to know how to love. I want her to know how to love people. I want her to know how to love the Lord. I want her to love the Lord Jesus Christ and love others. I want her to fulfill what God has called her to do. And that is to love her brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't want my daughter growing up in a, in a pastor's home, hating the church. I don't go and talk to my wife. We don't have date night where all we do is talk negative about people. There are things that I deal with as a pastor that nobody would ever know, including my wife, including my children. You know why? Because I need my home to be a place of love. And I don't want to bring that filth and that garbage and that, that negativity and that criticism into my home and our home be about gossip and it'd be about people and it'd be about criticizing and about hurt. My job is to comfort my family, to edify. And it starts with the ones right in your home. And it comes to the church 
I want to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's doing and how he's working and the prayer requests that he's answering. That's what I want the relationship with my children, the relationship with my spouse, the relationship with our church to be about. You take out that, you take out love. You put in Jesus Christ and you're placing love in your home. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org, and we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.